This is Kurt, and this is the MFG Cast. everybody i forgot to do how to do an intro so i just completely you you won't hear this because i'm gonna take it all out but just trust me sometimes i love having something where i'm not live and i'm not on on wax you know where everyone can see how terrible i do at some of these things because man it's a lot of editing sometimes because i was just telling the last person i interviewed i don't know how to how to exit an interview I'm always like, eh, okay, well, I'll repeat the same thing twice, and then sometimes I'll be like, uh, like, like I'm just stuck. But, uh, yeah, I got stuck on the intro, which is terrible, and I'm sorry for that, and I'm sorry that I had to put you guys through that. Anyway, MFG Cast, Kurt here. Tracy is off on assignment. Actually, she's not. She's out with friends having fun, um, but we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun here, too. Um, continuing our awesome interview series. We got a lot of great people tonight and coming up that we're going to be talking to. And this episode isn't any different. I am talking with James Lang from Volperboard. Boy, you know what? Let's try that again. I'm talking to James <laughs> Lang from Volperboard. <laughs> Words are hard. That's it. Vorpal After this board. is over, we're changing the name of the company. We're, yes, we gotta, exactly. Gotta, yeah. Why are you making it so hard? So, you know what? I'm a dum-dum. What does Vorpal mean? Vorpal is a, a nonsense word, and it's from, um, it's from the, uh, the, the poem about um, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, it's like, oh. S- snickersnack, he, she cut off his head with a, with a Vorpal blade. So, oh, nice. and, and so it's not a real wor- word. It's just it's something that I always thought sounded cool. And like in D&D, <laughs> it's the Vorpal Sword too, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no, I, yeah, I remember now. In the back of my mind, I was always like, yeah, I'm going to use that for something someday. And <laughs> so then we, when we started working on this project a couple of years ago, I, I made it kind of our internal code name. And like nice. all good internal code names, they just become the name of the product eventually. Stuck. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the only problem is when I tried to get Vorpal.com, there was a, a squatter there. And uh, so I never could get my hands on, on the domain. But um, but yeah, so then we just decided to go with Vorpal Board. We literally went through 10,000 idea sessions trying to figure out something that we thought was cool or whatever, but we just couldn't come up with like a, a, a cool a cool name for it. So I, I, I think now we're happy with it. But but yeah, yeah it was it was just kind of a, um, a happenstance that we got that one. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. It's going to help people like me not being able to say it right. Awesome. No, just kidding. Lots of people will be able to say it right because they'll be excited about to hear about what Vorpal board is. You know what? I think it, what it is is that I have to just slow down and not talk so fast and then I won't screw it up. So, but 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 before we get into what we're going to be talking about, let's t- let's learn more about you, James. How did you grow into gaming? Um, so I I was the youngest in a family of of three boys, and when we were kids, we played. 
a ton of board games and D&D. So, but this was, I'm going to like, I'm going to out myself in terms of age here. So like we were playing like advanced D&D, mainly like theater, theater of the mind stuff. My, my oldest brother was the, the DM and then my middle brother and I were like young and we didn't know what the heck was going on. Right. So we were doing our best, but it was fun. Right. So we were looking at these maps and, and, uh, and just try to like kind of futz our way through it. And then we played a ton of board games as a kid that were like those, you know, like Dungeon Master or Dungeon and Dragon sort of style games, right? So Hero yeah. Quest is the obvious one. Like every yeah. kid of that generation played Hero Quest. Um, and then, you know, for years, I kind of like, I don't want to say like I grew up and kind of like moved away from it, but video games became like a big thing for me um, mm-hmm. until I was in, right after I graduated college. Um, I kind of stumbled onto Board Game Geek. I wasn't like, you know, this was. <laughs> I'm not going to say when it was, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the internet is now, right? Just, so, just look up what, when Board Game Geek started. Yeah, started. you know, it's the type of thing where it felt like this crazy discovery. I was like, holy smokes, there's way more board games now than than I remember as a kid. And I just yeah. kind of on a whim went out and, and bought a couple games and just fell in love with, like, co-op games. Because that yes. concept was so... It wasn't so much that it was co-op, because, like, HeroQuest was co-op. But, but the idea of playing a game where the game played itself back against you was, like, insanely fascinating to me. Um, and the one that I got was um, Arkham Horror. That was the first one I got, which is, like, what an idiot's game to get for, like, your first game coming back into the hobby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Try to figure this one out right away. Yeah. And, like, try to convince your friends to come over and play this one, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But then I was just, like, hook, line, and sinker, like, back into the hobby. Um, and, and from that point forward, it was just, like... It, it slowly switched from playing a lot of video games to playing board games for me, um, which I didn't nice. anticipate because, like, I still love video games. But the thing that that just clicks so well for me is like sitting around with people and doing the game while you're hanging out. You know, it's like it used to just be we'd have people over to the house and we just sort of like sit there, you know, and like talk. And, and we wouldn't like silently just stare at each other, obviously. But um, but now, like, when we have people over, we, like, play games, and, and we evolve. Now I have kids, and we evolve my kids in the games and stuff. It just, it it, it became kind of like a totally life-encompassing hob- hobby, uh, which is great, because, like, th- what's happening in the board game space is, like, totally wild in terms of the different types of experiences that are available. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's it's nice when you have the whole family and, you know, friends that are all, you know, all about it and on board because it just it it helps. So I'm going to I just want to get right into it just because I'm I talking about Vorpal board. So where did this concept, where did this idea sprout from? So it kind of came as just um, as all good ideas, like out of boredom, I guess. So I was a <laughs> um, I was I still am. um Primarily a stay at, a stay at home dad, and, and being a stay at home dad is not a boring job. But no. when the kids are napping, it kind of is. Um, and so when when my kids were young, they're not babies anymore. But when they were, you know, in, during that phase, I had just a lot of downtime. I was living. I had just moved to New York pretty recently, and um, I didn't have like a ton of like a social group here. And so I still was missing like playing games with my buddies back in Wisconsin, where where you are, obviously. Um, but. Um, <laughs> But I was missing that a lot, and in my life prior to being a stay-at-home dad, I was uh, a software engineer, and so I was like, okay, well, this will just be like an interesting mental exercise. Um, could I hook up a webcam and see if I could play some Pandemic with a buddy in Wisconsin? That was like the first kind of try, and it was awful, and it it didn't really work at all. It was like a complete joke in comparison to what we're doing now, obviously. Um, 
But the crazy thing was we finished that night and like I, I looked at my wife and I was like, we actually kind of felt like we were interacting. It, it, it got my brain in the same space. Like I, I felt like I was sitting with my buddy talking to him, which you can kind of get when you're doing a Skype call or a FaceTime or something. But when you also are, are having the same kind of conversations and like strategic discussions and stuff, it's like, wow, that actually kind of worked. Um, and so that it was this little nugget of an idea that then I kind of went away from it for a while. Like I was like, yeah, maybe I'll work on that someday. Um, and then over the years, it's because it's been a long time since I've been just futzing around with this thing until we got serious about it. Um, I started kind of picking at it and the technology came a long way in those years too. Cause when I first started, uh, cell phones, eh, like the cameras on them weren't that great. And, um, and then also just some of the web technology we use for the streaming and stuff wasn't that great at the time. So, so yeah, it was just, it was just, um, one of those ideas where it was like a little bit every day and just hope to over time chip away at it. And, um, and then once I started using it for myself and enjoying it, I was like, okay, if I like this. There are a lot of people who play board games. Like maybe other people are having this same problem that I'm having, um, and so I started kind of looking into it, and, and I found other options and stuff. But um, but I, I I think I like this is very biased, but I like my option the best. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if if you don't like it, how's anyone else gonna like it? You know? Yes. So, you yeah. Know, of it's, a good, it's a good way of thinking about it. You know, when you talk about you know having friends and stuff like that, not everybody has all these people to play with, you know, you could, you know, you might have one or two people that are around, but you know, uh, just like we've talked about this on the podcast many a time, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, it, it seems like, you know, even younger people today, it's like, it's harder and harder to get a group of people together to do one thing. You know, sometimes it's just, I got to do this. You got to do this. I've got work. I've got kids. I've got school, blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot of things to happen. So, and you know, this, to me, this idea, which I'll have you explain here in a little bit, what verbal board actually is and what, how you use it, is, you know, there's a lot of people that we, that will know, and because of technology and stuff like that, we'll be able to talk to people across oceans, okay? It's not just the United States, it's, you know, over in Europe and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it would be nice to just be able to be like, hey, do you want to play a game? What do you mean you want to play a game? I'm like, you know, hundreds of miles away from you, thousands of miles. Well, you know what? I've got this awesome thing where we can just play a game, just, you know, me and you and a couple of friends and we can, you know, make it an experience. And technology has, you know, really come a long way, you know, where before, you know, it's like <laughs> you had to be in that same, you know, surrounding city or you had to like, you know, take a trip you know, where today, like it's, there's just so many more options now. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because, because the, where your brain immediately goes is like, okay, well now I could play with my brother who lives in Europe. My brother actually does live in Europe. Right. Or I, I could play with, um, with family and friends who live like across the country. Right. Like that's really cool. But, but what, what I've found in having used this for like the last 18 months pretty regularly is I actually use it with people who are local more frequently. Um, because, because <laughs> the reality is that like, I have a local group that I play games with, but but um, it's even then it's super hard to get together, right? They have kids, mm -hmm. I have kids. They live a half hour away, right? So if you're if you're gonna come here, you're paying for an hour for a babysitter, you know, just to drive here. That's just yeah. your cost of entry. And then if we're gonna play <laughs> a two hour game, right? And and we're gonna have a, a glass of wine or something with it, like it, that turns into a three hour session. And that's just not something that is easy to put into your life anymore. Um, and yeah, for us, definitely. it's like made it so. 
we actually see our local friends much more regularly, which I think is just whatever. It's the realities of getting older, I suppose, and having a family and stuff. Um, but um, but yeah, it's super sweet to just say, hey, like, hey, do you want to play Codenames? Codenames takes two seconds to set up, right? Like, and they can sit on their couch under their blankets, right? And when the game ends, they go right to bed. You know, it's like it's just it, it fits it into your life a lot more easily uh, this way. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So let's let's talk a little bit into the more of the specifics of what Vorbal Board actually is. Sure. So um, the, the the big elevator pitch is that Vorbal Board's a system that allows you to play tabletop games with people remotely. And you, you, the first question I always get is like, well, you know, like tabletop simulator exists and. Uh, Tabletopia exists or whatever. But the difference with our system is that you actually use the physical copy of the game. So you have it set up on the table in front of you um, and you're streaming the board state using a cell phone app. And then you're also able to scan in game components real time to give to people who are remotely. Um, And those remote users are just running in a browser. They don't have to install anything. They don't have to set up an account. Essentially, you can just give them the number for the gaming session and then they can connect and play with you. So uh, so kind of the shorthand is like, it's like a FaceTime, but you also can play a game while you're FaceTiming. Our goal is that it's as easy to do for everybody involved as just like picking up an app and starting the session. Um, and then you can be you can be playing a, a game with your family members that quick, right? It gets, it gets uh, exponentially more complicated with how complicated the games become, right? You can play an easy game just as easy it is, as it is to play an easy game. So it's easy to set up code names and play it with friends. But we have really strived to make it so if you're a person who wants to play Kingdom Death or you want to play Gloomhaven or whatever, it can support those games too. The way you have to operate with it, you have to learn the ropes a little bit and get to play it. But like those are games we play using it a lot. So um, we're kind of trying to just be a conduit, not you know, build a, a gaming system specific to a certain type of games. We're, we're focusing on just being able to anything you put on the table, you can play. You could do tabletop role-playing games. You could do your grant, your grandparents could play uh shoots and ladders with your, your grandkids, their grandkids or whatever. Right. So we just, we just kind of are, are really focused, highly focused on streaming that tabletop and then um, having integrated video and audio chat. So we want to be able to see all the faces. We want to be able to talk to each other not type and all that sort of stuff. So kind of try to uh, capture that around the table feel. Um, Cause that's at the end of the day, what I think we all are like, we like the games, right? Like you're a big board game person. I'm a board game person. I like the games, but like, I, I like the sitting around with people more. <laughs> it's just, this is a way for me to do that. So, um, so that's kind of, that's the long and short of the idea is pick up a game, put it on your table, play it with somebody wherever they, uh, wherever they live. You were able to kind of show me a little bit of verbal board and we were kind of messing around. And I like, I like the idea of, you know, having the physical copy in front of someone to be able to work in front of a camera. So it's, it's not just, you know, like there's some board game apps out there and stuff like that. And I won't say the one, but one in particular, you go to pick up a dice and sometimes you can't pick up that dice, you know, or sometimes you want to flip that card and you flip the card and it flies away from you somehow. (laughs) And, you know, I I like the idea of, you know, someone being able to be like, okay, this is here and this is what's going on. And you can kind of, with the camera, you can kind of use yourself to be like, okay, you know, where do you want to go? Do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? And it makes it a lot easier and a lot quicker, I feel like 
to do some things where in an app you're always just trying to like, okay, I can't, oh, my, my clicker is not working. You know, I can't, you know, I can't do this or whatever. Yeah, sometimes it, it does seem like you're you're kind of battling the app a little bit to play. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, what, yeah. what we've found is as soon as, as soon as you kind of, you almost like, you almost eject from the mental state that you want to be in. When, when, when you're running into headaches with like the, the tool set. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it, it's something we struggle with too, right? Like we want to make sure that it actually feels, it, it feels good. You can actually not have to think about, oh man, I don't remember how I flip these cards over. Or, I don't remember how I get the dice loaded or whatever. Um, because it, it's very true. Like once you are having to fight it and like a lot of the people that I, that I want to play with, they're not they're not going to put up with like dealing with a, a clunky tool. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if I'm going to convince them to sit down for two hours somewhere and play a game with me, like it's got to be really smooth um, yeah. and they got to have a good time, you know? So, yeah. um, so that's, it, it's a super big focus for us. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about, about using, you know, being able, being able to use your smartphone to kind of scan your cards and stuff like that. So everyone can kind of see everything. Cause I, I like that aspect. Yeah, so so there's a couple different ways that we do it because we we realize that people are going to be in a lot of different scenarios in terms of internet bandwidth, uh, in terms of the strength of the machines they're running these things on. We want to let them be able to run it on on tablets and all sorts of stuff, right? So um, the way that the app works, it either can be streaming live video of the board state, so it streams like a really 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 high resolution um, uh, video at a low frame rate. Right. So it doesn't really matter. We don't have to be at like 30 or 60 frames per second. We'll stream out at like 10 frames a second or five frames a second at, at a much higher res, which lets you actually be able to zoom in on the on the board state, which is nice because uh, there are games that have small text. Right. So if you're trying to play Pandemic, like you got to be able to read the city names because I don't remember where Kinshasa is. Right. Like it, it, <laughs> I'm never going to remember where Kinshasa is. Um, but um so we, we can do video at like a low re- at a, a low frame rate, high res, um, which saves a ton of bandwidth, obviously. Um, but we also have ability for the app to stream like insanely high res photos as quickly as they can go through the network, right? So um, you can have it say, okay, I just want to have it take a picture of the of the tabletop, and it'll be at you know eight, ten, twelve megapixels. And they'll we'll stream that across, and so then that's coming across at maybe like one frame per second. But if you're playing a game that has really small stuff, it's like light years better than using video because video gets really compressed. Um, you get a lot of artifacts in it, and it'll blur up the text really bad. So those are the mm-hmm. two ways that we actually stream the tabletop. And we also really want to make sure that if like somebody lives in Idaho and they want to play with with somebody and they have like satellite internet or something, we want to be able to maybe work. Um, you know, use as little bandwidth as we can as far as how the board streaming goes. So then the other component of this whole system is component scanning. So you can stream the board and that's all cool. But if you're playing a game where I need to give you a card, somehow I need to, to pick a card up off the deck and give it to you. And I need to get it from the physical space into the digital space. And the way that we do that is we actually scan components. Uh, we have a scanning box. It looks kind of like a desktop scanner made out of like wood. And it has a door on the top that lets you put cards or other components in there. You can put anything in there. You can put meeples in there. You can put tokens, whatever. And when you close the door, there's a cell phone app that's taking pictures of the stuff you're putting in there. And it's detecting shapes and actually stitching out the 
the card and sending it to the remote players. And so I can take a card without looking at it. This is the key, right? I, I don't have to look at it. I keep it face down. I put it in the scanner and then it's going to appear in your version of the app that you're running and um, you'll be able to look at it and no one else will be able to look at it. So we can maintain secrecy that way. Cause there's so many games where like secrecy is, you know, if all we could do was support games that, that had perfect information, we'd have like 20% of the market, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I can give you cards. You can, you can hold them in your hand. You can trade them with other remote players. Um, you can flip them over and show them to me when you want to, all that sort of stuff is built into the app. And that was kind of like the aha moment to be perfectly honest with you. Cause we had the board streaming stuff working for the longest time. And I kept asking like my wife and my friends, I'm like, Hey, if I like released this with just this board streaming, like, do you think that anyone would want to use it? <laughs> and, and we had used it, but it was all co-op games that like, it was okay if, if you could show each other your hands mm -hmm. and people were just like, you gotta, you gotta come up with a solution for the cards and the components and all that. So that was kind of the second phase of the project was building the additional ability to scan in all these, all these components. Um, and we're happy with it. I mean, the quality that comes across is great. Um, once you scan in the cards, you can actually save your session. So like, let's say when you and I were like messing around in there earlier, if we wanted to just pause and come back later, all that stuff is saved on the local device. So when we jump back in, everything's in the same position and all the cards are all scanned in or whatever. And then the other big thing is like, I don't know if you're like a Gloomhaven player, that's a, a game I play a ton. You mm -hmm. scan in all the components one time and then you're pretty much done. So there's not a lot nice. of scanning while you're playing. It's all saved into your sessions. Um, yeah. So so that's I mean that's kind of how the the mechanics work. Every game's a little bit different. That's the hardest thing when we talk <laughs> to people about this idea to sort of express is people's brains go to the games they play. So like people a lot of times will say, "Oh, can it handle Sushi Go?" And I'm like, "Well, kind of, but like Sushi Go is tricky, right? Because you're like passing the cards back and forth so much mm -hmm. that." doing that with a digital one person remote and two other people local, it's like, that's maybe not going to be the best choice. You could yeah. do it, but you're not going to have a really great time. Um, or people will say, you know, oh, could I play, um, uh, another one is Insidious. I think it's uh, Villainous. Sorry, it's right behind you, I think. Uh, on, yeah, yep, yep. Th this is good for, for podcasts, me to talk about <laughs> what I can see behind you, right? That's <laughs> okay. Um, if anyone's seen any live streams, they, they know what's behind yeah. me. So. <laughs> um, but Villainous is one that we thought, because I really enjoy Villainous. But the trick with Villainous is um, you can look through my discard pile. And you can look through your yeah. own discard pile and you can look through your own deck, right? Where, okay, things start to get a little bit tricky if you're a remote player and you need to be able to look through a deck for a specific card, right? So we're working on stuff that we're going to be able to do that for, you know, scanning in a whole deck and then having the whole deck be a item in the game and stuff like that. But, um, but so when you talk to somebody about this system, that's the toughest thing is I want to say it'll work for every game. But it's not going to work for every, every, every game. There are mechanics that are yeah. going to be tough. Um, our goal is to have it work for as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. And and you can't guarantee everything 100% too because there might be games that come out that just all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is a game that uh, didn't, you know, uh, nobody expected it to come out. You know, it come, comes out of left field and it could be something that could be hard not to do unless you're in the same space so. oh yeah i mean like obviously we're, we're not going to support dexterity games right <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly um, but you know but there are but there are mechanics that come out that i look at and i'm like oh man that's gonna be a problem because um, i you know I've, I've looked at some games where like you're you're actually kind of building cards I, I mean i think some people call them like card builders but like you're almost like sleeving portions of the cards together to make new cards 
And like, I think to myself, like, is there any way that I could get that to work inside the system? And like the answer usually is like, eh, maybe if I, if I figure out some clever way to do some things, but, but our goal is like, I think our sweet spot is like this system would be used for co-op games. Like, I think that's going to mm-hmm. be the knock it out of the park. Awesome. It works. Fantastic. Dungeon crawlery party based co-op stuff, which I think is going to mm-hmm. be awesome. Um, versus games are fine too but like i think that just in terms of the mechanics of how the system works and how um and how you're you know passing and scanning cards in and stuff um a game like uh like descent or like lord Lord of the rings journeys in middle earth or um or uh, gloomhaven which is what i use it for a lot those things Mm -hmm. like it's awesome and those are the games where like i think you have a party of people where it's tough to get together regularly um so i think that's kind of our real sweet spot very cool yeah, I even like that aspect of like, if you're thinking about a Gloomhaven and you you know you're saying you'd be able to save to the spot you're where you're at because if you think about Gloomhaven, it takes you a long time just to put that darn thing out just so everyone's <laughs> good to go, you know. So you could, in all reality, just be like, you know what, I'm gonna have this in a on my table downstairs in my basement, and I will not touch it, and then we'll you know everything will be good and everyone will have their information and we'll come back to it next week at a certain time or whatever. And I, I love that idea because that stuff is the hardest thing because as if you're playing this game, you're playing it for hours and just to set that up might take, add an extra thing to it. So if you take that extra layer off, then it makes it a little bit easier for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's all about just trying to remove the barrier, right? And everybody's trying to do that, right? So there, there's whole businesses based on box organizers, so that you can set stuff up easier. There's, there's mm-hmm. a whole cottage industry of people making apps to help you organize games. And these are like just people doing it out of the kindness of their heart in a lot of cases, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the guy who developed Gloomhaven Helper, which I don't know if you're a big Gloomhaven person, but like it's like it changes your life when you start using it. Like I think he did that just kind of because he wanted to. And now it's officially, yeah. it's officially licensed, right? But, um, yeah. but without that, it, it's sort of like that game is a little bit impenetrable. Um, if mm-hmm. you're trying to keep set up to a minimum. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a little bit nerve wracking for us that people will view our, our product as just sort of like another hurdle. Like, oh man, now I got to do the whole Vorpal board thing. You know, I got to get these mm-hmm. cards scanned in or whatever. Um, but like in my personal experience, um, the, the trade-off is definitely worth it. You know, just being able to say we can get an extra Gloomhaven round in during the week when that was impossible uh, yeah. until we had this because just no one could get together on a Tuesday night uh, with any regularity. You know, now it's like we sit down and like the people we're playing with are like eating dinner or whatever, you know, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's fine. They can have their laptop sitting there and we can play. Um, yeah. So it's, it's all about, I think, kind of like making it so this hobby fits better in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the games I personally want to play are always on that side. They're always on the like <laughs> awful setup, awful maintenance, you know, that whole, that whole thing. So I've definitely lived that experience for sure. So it, it informs our product for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it, even in that few minutes that you showed me some of the things that, you know, that you could do, like, you know, taking your cards and sharing your cards and flipping cards and, you know, that kind of thing, like it very user-friendly and you know that's that's a really good selling point when it comes to anything like this because you don't want to have the time like i had said kind of before with other things where it's like okay we've got everything set up oh wait this screwed up wait a minute let me get that going or wait you know it's like 
you know, everybody's time is important. And, you know, when we can cut back on some of these things that we don't really need to do that, that this uh, whole setup that you have, it really cuts all that down and, and makes for a better experience. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're hoping, you know, like what we, what we don't want to have is have, have a thing where now like to become a, a board game player remotely, like now you need to also be an expert in a bunch of other stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, I actually like a lot of the existing tools that are out there, but the, the, the headaches that I kind of see personally are one, I would always want to play with like two, two or more local players. So like my wife and I want to play with friends that we have. Right. So if we're using like purely digital tools, we're both on computers, right? Somewhere. <laughs> um, and so that means we're both somewhere with like headphones on. And then it's sort of like, wait, are we playing together anymore? You know, like then it, yeah. it, it feels weird. You know, it, it um, just for the use case for us, it, it wasn't a good match. Um, but, I, you know, I think that I think that the tools that are out there that are purely digital have great value. Like, I think that those things are awesome and I think they live forever and they conti people continue to use those. And those are awesome. Um, I think we offer just kind of like a different a different solution that for for me is a better solution. And I'm sure for some people it's not going to be. And that's totally fine. So when are we looking at uh, when are we looking at helping you guys out make this thing a reality? Okay, so th so that's where things are got a little bit complicated for us uh, this year. <laughs> so we did run a Kickstarter um, for the product, and we really had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, we we kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't have really a following. Uh, super naive, first time creators put it out there and just sort of said like, okay, if you build it, like they will come. It's going to be great. We'll get it on the platform. <laughs> And it actually performed pretty well. I mean, our target was $50,000, which essentially we based we based all of our stuff around trying to get enough of a core user base. For us, the, the money target isn't the bigger the biggest part for us. The, the biggest part for us is to get enough users that we could then build upon, right? So we're, we're all okay with the investments that we've made in like making this thing a, re a reality. That's just the, the way, if you want to build a new product, that's how it works. But, but if, if we have 100 people, it, it's going to be a real hard push for us, right? Mm -hmm. So the way we look at Kickstarter is this is a way for us to get a larger initial user base that then we can grow from because our product is hopefully a word of mouth type product where you play it with your brother who lives in Canada and then he's like, man, I'd love to play as my other buddies, right? And so people, <laughs> it kind of spreads that way. Um, and then obviously going to the convention circuit and, and selling it, you know, um, uh, directly to people. Um, and so we targeted at $50,000 trying to trying to get this core user base. And in incredibly depressing fashion, we hit $45,000. <laughs> I actually had, I had actually done research and I saw that and I was like, why? Why would that happen? Yeah, um, it, oh, it was it was it was awful. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, like, but it was it was validating in one way. Right. Because we, we didn't do a ton of community building up front. And um, we kind of put it out there, essentially kind of telling people like, oh, you just got to trust us, right? Like, it's cool. <laughs> I tr trust me, right? And, and that, I think, in hindsight was like, we, we've, we've totally changed um, the way we've done it. We've been like streaming once a week the whole, for the last eight months or whatever, um, yeah. doing YouTube, tons and tons and tons of YouTube videos, um, just, you know, making sure that we have enough like content out there where if you're interested in it, you can go and look and see like, Hey, this thing works. Like these guys are mm -hmm. playing it. It's not a joke. Right. And so, so we went and we did that. And, um, and then we took a step back and kind of like shed our personal tears for, <laughs> for a little bit. Um, <laughs> because it does take a lot of sort of just mental energy to get ready to do like a Kickstarter. 
and to get so close and then have it fall apart kind of right at the end uh and whatever it was dispiriting but it's fine um and so we're we're looking at actually we looked at potentially just trying to like soft launch it and build up a little bit slower um mm -hmm. and start people getting on like a, like an open beta and kind of trying to go go that route the tricky part for us is that we, we it's not just a software product so if it was just a software product we'd be comfortable maybe like launching it like that but there are hardware components right so there's the arm and stuff that holds the cell phone over the table there's the scanning box and so being able to like build those in enough quantity it, it takes a little bit of like capital and and proof for us personally that there's going to be enough users that it's it's worth us investing the money that's going to take to make it happen you know personally uh so so we're going to come back to, kick, to Kickstarter again. Uh, we're targeting very early 2020, so not not that far from right now. We've tweaked some stuff about the campaign. Originally, uh, the way the campaign was going to run was you'd pay for the hardware, and then you'd also pay for a year of service up front, just as kind of like a get it going type thing. Um, yeah. And I totally understand when people look at it and say, hold on, like you want like 100 bucks and we don't know if it would work and I haven't been able to play with it. Like that's just, that's too much, right? It, it's fine for a board game because you might know the designer or you at least know you're going to end up with a thing you could play. The game might not be mm -hmm. good or, or whatever, right? But at least you're going to have a thing at the end of it. <laughs> so I get it. So we're, we're, we're tweaking the, the structure of the campaign a little bit to make it so it's easier to get in um, from a price point standpoint. But then for people who want to do things, who have played it or, or are really bought into the idea, who want to do like a lifetime backing or, or something like that like we're still going to have that type of an option so so we're tweaking the campaign a little bit um and we think we're going to have a much better swing at it the second time obviously just doing it once suddenly you have suddenly you know i have a, a mailing list of hundreds of people who already wanted it right so it's way easier the second time um yeah. and it's a little bit of a shortcut to building a community i would not recommend doing it this way though <laughs> I would recommend doing the hard lifting before. And, you know, we've been interacting a lot. And we were talking before that you've gone and like seen some of the stuff we do on, on YouTube, but we've been interacting a lot with other Kickstarter campaigns and, and having them come on with us on Twitch and like play their games on Twitch live while their campaigns are going on. And that's really cool because they get to interact with backers and then they also get like to be perfectly honest, like video content out of it because the, the, the game is hard if you're a Kickstarter creator of board games because getting all that collateral kind of put together isn't a cheap uh, exercise and, you know, making production prototypes and stuff is expensive. So we've been, we've been trying to get involved in that community and meeting just a ton of awesome independent game designers and developers. And it's also been awesome for us because we've been testing our tool with just an insane array of games, uh, just stuff that's getting released on Kickstarter. I look at it and I think, okay, yeah, I think that'll work. And then I ask for the rule book or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, I think we can do it. Let's do it. Um, and so that's been really nice uh, because it's just, it's helped us get a lot more involved in like the community. Um, and I think yeah. that was what we were missing the first time. So, yeah, no, that's great. Cause it's just, it's everybody helping everybody out and that's the best part of the hobby. So yeah, and it truly is, right? Like, it's, it truly is. It's a, it's a dumb expression. I don't like to use it. But, like, the, you know, the, the, it rises all boats, right? The tide rises all boats. But, like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of us, us, and by us, I mean, like, people who are creating stuff on, on, on Kickstarter for board games or just board game creators in general, I think sometimes people think it's, like, a zero-sum game, right? Where it's, like, well, if, if Simon releases a game this week, like, well, that just sucks, right? Because it's going to take away from all the other people. But, like... 
the way that I really look at it is like that brings a ton of people to the hobby. I mean, like you have, you have a campaign that has tens of thousands of people backing it. Like a lot of those people are new, you know, that's the first time they've been yeah. on the platform. Right. And, and so the more, the more games that are out there, the better uh, uh, most of the mm -hmm. time. Um, and yeah. I know that like, that's not always exactly true, right? There, there are there are campaigns that get stepped on by other campaigns just because there's only a finite amount of money in the world at any given point, right? Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. but I do, you know, I think there there's a decent amount of hate around some like bigger campaigns sometimes, and and I mm -hmm. think that some of it is, I mean, there are legitimate criticisms out there, right? Like in terms of taking advantage of the platform and really grinding some of the fear of missing out type stuff, right? Which is yeah. sometimes feels a little bit icky to me um and even when we're talking internally on our team about how we want to run the kickstarter like how much do we want to lean into limited time stuff and first 48 hours and stretch goals and like all those sort of things that have become kind of commonplace on the platform and for our particular campaign we don't think it's a, a lot of times a great option but but even those campaigns like they they're still bringing people to the hobby and those people are potentially your customers later, right? And it's more people at conventions and it's more people on Kickstarter and all that sort of stuff. So I try to not, I try to not worry about like the first time it didn't really work out for us. I'm really excited about the next campaign. Um, and I think we've, we've just learned a ton since then. We've met a ton of great people. So, um, so yeah, really early 2020 uh, will be when we're launching again. Yeah. Very cool. So if, if people want to join in, they want to, they want to find out what's coming up, you know, when exactly it's going to launch and, you know, more about, you know, what this is all about, because obviously we can talk about it until ears bleed, but maybe some people want to see it, get their eyes on it and see what it's all about. How can they reach you or how can they see with their own eyes? So the, the easiest and probably shortest route to, to, to that sort of information is probably our mailing list. We have a very strictly once a month mailing list. You will get one email a month from us. <laughs> Um, but that's where we announce new features. We talk about like video content we're producing and like, that's where, um, like the initial news of when we're going to launch probably will, will, will be uh, released, but also I'm on every social media platform, uh, imaginable. So we're, we're at Vorpal board on Twitter. Um, we're at, on Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where if you're curious about like what this thing looks like when it's actually being played, we have a ton of full playthroughs of games on there. And we really have focused on not making like produced content uh, that's mm -hmm. edited or whatever. So we actually live stream on Twitch. Uh, so you can find us on Twitch. Our channel is Vorpal Board. Um, but then we export all of our stuff to YouTube for people to watch. So it's long, right? I mean, these are real play sessions that are two hours long or whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if you want to get a feel for what it looks like to play Horrified on here or what it looks like to play uh, Subterra, which we played this week, like that's where to find it. Um, and you can kind of see, all right, well, if I was a remote user, would I enjoy this or not? Um, so, so, uh, so Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Twitch, the mailing list. Are there any other, I mean, we're not on TikTok, I guess. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we, we are, are on inst Instagram. We are on Instagram. Yes. So yeah, you gotta be on, you gotta be on Insta as the kids say. Yeah. And board game, board game, Instagram's cool. I, I enjoy that community a lot just cause there's so much cool art you get to see. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, we, yeah, we do we do shots and videos and stuff on Instagram. But um, for interaction, I don't really love Instagram as much. I think probably for like <laughs> interacting with people, my favorite is Twitter. So if, if you're if you're interested and you want to like chat or something, I am 
always up for that stuff. So uh, if any listeners want to want to hit me on 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 Twitter, I'm at Vorpalboard. So awesome. Yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll be excited to hear the news that comes out of it too. Cool. Uh, like I said, we you know I, you know I kind of just got a little bit of an itch, and uh, I'm really excited about it. It seems like it's going to be an a fine fine product and very user friendly. So that'll be cool. awesome. So no, thanks for checking it. it out. No problem, and thanks to you for coming on, James. It was good to talk to you. Yeah, it was good to talk to you too, Kurt. Take care. You bet. And hopefully for the future, it'll mean big things, which I'm I'm pretty sure. Because if you got that close before, I'm pretty sure you're going to be over the edge now, which will be awesome. So. I just need you to come and give like motivational speeches to the team ah, once a week. I should. I should. <laughs> just just get me on get me on your Twitch stream. I'll just I'll pop in for five seconds and I'll see how awesome it is and then I'll leave. <laughs> All right. So everybody, thanks for listening. This was a lot of fun. And until next time, I'm Kurt, and this was the MFG Cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.